It's easy to see the incredible physical skill professional athletes possess, but we often forget about the mental ability that is necessary to succeed on a consistent basis, especially when you're facing the best in the world while dealing with enormous expectations and pressure. All these sports are extremely difficult, especially at the professional level. And the similarities of what it takes to control performance are so much more than the differences. And the same is true whether it be sport or business. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on LJN Radio and this edition of Moving Up the Ladder. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Dr. Jason Selk is a performance coach who focuses on the mental side of things. He's worked with countless athletes and was even the director of mental training for the St. Louis Cardinals back when they won their two most recent World Series crowns. Now Jason is joining us to discuss the power of the mind, both when it comes to sports as well as in business. Jason, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Tim, I appreciate you having me. Now I wanted to ask, first of all, how you got interested and involved in the area of sports psychology as a career or just as an interest in general. Yeah, so when I was a senior in high school, I had big dreams of playing college football, and the first game of the season of my senior year, I blew my knee out, and all the dreams of playing at the next level went with it. Mm. And one of the things that happened was I was uh, seeing a physical therapist on a regular basis, and she was really terrific, and I thought that what I wanted to do was become a physical therapist because of the impact she had on my life and trying to move past, uh, you know, injury and not being able to play football was a really big deal in my life. And my physical therapist really helped me through that. And I, I was under the impression it was the physical therapy work. And it took me until my first semester in college as a physical therapy student to realize that it wasn't so much what she was doing physically for me as mm -hmm. she would sit there when I was going through the STEM treatments and, you know, going through the rehab, she would sit and we would kind of talk through some of the issues. She was probably doing more psychology than she even knew. <laughs> and so after a semester in college, I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't necessarily the physical parts that I was so enamored with, but it was helping people emotionally work through not only overcoming injuries and obstacles to success, but then it later developed into actually helping people work through how to become the absolute best and take advantage of the potential that they had. Well, it is interesting how you kind of found that path a little bit indirectly, and I'm sure, you know, as you said, it wasn't a positive experience for you at first, but it turned into something positive. Obviously, you've dealt with a lot of individuals and worked with people um, throughout your career. One thing that did stand out to me I thought was a little interesting was you were the director of mental training for the St. Louis Cardinals of Major League Baseball. Tell us how that happened. Uh, was that something you came up with? Is that something they approached you? How did that all work out? Yeah, and, um, it really was a, sort of a surprise to me when it happened. At the time, and this was back in 2005, okay. I was working with a number of different athletes in Major League Baseball, and I actually had uh, athletes in NFL and the NBA and the NHL as well. But uh, apparently, a couple of the athletes I was working with, none of them were with the St. Louis Cardinals, but a couple of the baseball players on other teams were consulting with the head physician for the Cardinals, George Paletta, and asked George if he knew me. And I think after a couple athletes asking, George took matters into his own hands, and he was, again, the head surgeon, head physician for the Cardinals. 
he reached out to me and asked if I wanted to come have a meeting with him. And I really had no idea what the meeting was about. In fact, George Paulette at the time was doing some consulting for Major League Baseball, and I thought he wanted me to do help him with the drug and alcohol program for Major League Baseball. But sure. I showed up at his office and um, after about 20 minutes realized what they were offering <laughs> me was to become the director of sports psychology for the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, obviously it's a huge honor. I was uh, very quick to accept the position and then uh, started with the team in March of 2006. When you've worked with players in the past, I'm sure many of them came to you or recommended in some way. But in that case, or maybe in another situation where you're brought in out of the blue, so to speak, what are the kind of the players' reactions to this idea of them needing help in the mental area or something to that effect? Because a lot of them, I'm sure, feel, I've gotten this far, everything's been fine. Uh, what's kind of the range of feelings that a lot of these players have toward the idea of sort of that mental training, as you call it? Yeah, I think the Cardinals were really smart about how they – uh, really offered it to the team. What I did uh, back in March of 2006, they had me go out to spring training and I was there for a week. And each day that week, I did a two hour presentation with the coaches and the players early in the day. And then what they said is any player who's interested in working with me, uh, you know, the Cardinals would take care of all the payments and everything would be confidential and that it was really up to the player if they wanted to work with me. And again, the union, Major League Baseball union, dictates that they, they couldn't force a player to work with me. Sure. But I think one of the things that as a strength of mine, you know, I certainly don't have my ego involved in this thing. I'm really science-based. Everything I do is totally proven. And I just really kind of put it out in front of the players that there's a very concrete program you can follow that if you do, it's really scientifically proven to put you in a position to play better baseball more consistently. You know, not every player worked with me, certainly, but I uh, certainly didn't have any trouble keeping my schedule full with players that <laughs> wanted to take advantage of the resource. Right. And, you know, it just kind of built every year. It seemed like I was a little bit more accepted with the players just because we were having success with the players I was working with, and I'm not one of these starstruck people. I mean, I'm not asking players for autograph balls or <laughs> tickets to games or anything. I mean, I knew that I had a job to do, and that's helped the player play better baseball. And I took my job very, very seriously when I was with the team. And I think a lot of the players benefited. So I'd tell you, you know, not everybody wants to work with a person like me. But like I said, I think there are a lot of players out there who, if you have something that's proven, it's concrete, and it works for them, they're going to take advantage of it. What are some of the areas that even world-class athletes tend to need a little help in? Or, or where are the common areas that you focus on to help them with their performance um, and I'm thinking obviously it can run the gamut of different things for different players but is it the pressure side is it failure what do you tend to focus on or, or is there not kind of this special formula yeah no I think it's a really really good question and I, I tend to take a different approach than most people in my field I'm more proactive than reactive okay meaning what, what I go in and I teach and this is uh when I wrote my first book back in 2006, it's the exact mental training plan I use with the pro athletes I work with. That's what's in my first book, 10 Minute Toughness. I go in and instead of saying, what are you having trouble with? I say, here are some things that are gonna, number one, increase your ability to concentrate and focus on the most important items 
increase your confidence and consistency. And what I've done, kind of like a physical trainer, you know, I think uh, physical trainers have done a really nice job. The, the brain is a muscle just like a bicep. If you want to get your bicep stronger, you go to a physical trainer and they can tell you do three sets of this and four sets of that and mm-hmm. do it this many times a week and you can't stop from helping the bicep get stronger. Well, I took that same focus, that same mentality or approach and applied it to the brain as a muscle. You know, I know that all players want to have an increase in confidence and an increase in consistency. So I said, okay, if, if a player is going to strengthen the mind so that they can actually increase confidence and consistency, what do they have to do? And, uh, you know, probably my claim to fame in the sports psychology world is that I developed something called a mental workout. It's three minutes and 40 seconds. And if the player does it three, four times a week, they can't help but have the brain be more able to focus on those most important items during competition, which then will, without a doubt, enhance confidence and consistency. So, again, it's, I chose to take uh, really a more of a mental training mm-hmm. approach as opposed to, you know, a player comes in and me saying, tell me what your problems are and let's work through your problems. Now, I'll tell you there's a fair share of that that goes on, but I want to definitely teach the training program and the mental workout is one third of it there are two other parts to it but everything i do is very concrete and very ritualized and operationalized like that so i know that if the player's going through and following the mental training plan that it's going to be easier when they do come to me and present with problems to help them work through whatever issues they are dealing with above and beyond the consistency and confidence issues now, oftentimes we hear in sports phrases like a, a player being in a zone, maybe saying basketball when he's shooting, or you'll hear hitters talk about uh, seeing the baseball the size of a beach ball, and it's just everything seems so easy for them. Is this a realistic thing? Is this something that goes with the mental training? Uh, is this a little more romanticized maybe than what you're talking about? Where do you see that fitting into play here? No, and, and I think ideally that's always the goal, to get into that zone. Mm-hmm. It's a heck of a lot harder than maybe some people make it sound. But absolutely, there is a piece to it that you can control for that. You can increase the likelihood of getting into the zone with okay. the mental training. That, that really leads to the second part of the mental training. It's really uh, the effort or the, the strategic process that a player follows in terms of preparation. So again, to get into the zone, the number one most impactful variable for all of human performance is self-confidence. Now, self-confidence, there are two ways you can develop self-confidence. One is what's called the experience of success. Go out there and, you know, hit the ball hard against the pitcher you're going up against and your confidence is going to grow. Well, easier said than done. The second method of increasing confidence is something known as the vicarious experience of success. And really what that comes down to is knowing that when you walk on the field, you are more prepared than the competition. So to make that happen, what you have to really start to identify is, okay, what do I need to do on a daily basis to put myself in a position to be more prepared than the people I'm going up against? And that's where you start to develop process goals, which are the activities required to achieve the results you're looking to achieve. And there's a strategy that I use with the players and, and oftentimes the business people I work with is called MP 100 plus 20 that you identify what are normal people what what are what's a hundred percent of the preparation 
that your competition is doing. Hmm. And then what we're going to do is we're going to find an extra 20%, whether it be mentally or physically, an extra 20% on top of the normal 100% that your competition's going up against, that when you walk into that arena, onto that field, to go head-to-head with them, you know you've done 20% more than them in preparation, which obviously is going to have a boost in confidence, which will then have a really nice impact on making it more likely to get into that zone. So to control for the zone, preparation is the key, being more prepared than the people you're competing against. Well, it definitely breaks it down more, uh, a scientific look versus, again, people may be romanticizing it a bit, but I do appreciate you saying it does exist to a certain extent, uh, and what those players are saying, it's not sort of just uh, lip service in that case. Something you mentioned, um, the idea of being more prepared when you, when you hit the field than your uh, opponent. Going back to your time with the Cardinals, being a Brewers fan, uh, we often hear of the <laughs> Cardinal way, and uh, sometimes it, in our mind it gets a little uh, kind of annoying. But I did want to ask, from this side of the table, is that something that's been a part of the Cardinal way and maybe something that has given them an edge, at least you know when you were there helping in that capacity, um, helping them out over some of their opponents? Yeah, and I don't think there's any doubt. The Cardinals are a world-class organization. And, again, that's not to take anything away from the Brewers. To be <laughs> honest with you, I, I've never worked for the Brewers, so I, I don't know necessarily what the culture is there. But I will tell you this. I've worked with a lot of very successful organizations and more than just one sports team. And the organizational culture that the Cardinals create is very impressive. And again, when I first started with the Cardinals, my boss, my direct boss is Walt Jockety. He's now over in Cincinnati. I firmly believe Walt is still one of the top general managers in the league. And the manager of the team, Tony LaRusa, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Fame manager for a reason. The guy knows more about baseball and winning than just about most people walking the planet. And the little details. The fact that they are going to put the time in to be totally prepared and more so than the competition. And it really starts from the top down Mm -hmm. and probably even above where Walt and Tony were at the time. You know, if you look at the ownership of the Cardinals, you have some very, very successful individuals who own that team. And I think the principle has always been, let's make sure we take the time necessary to be more prepared than the people we go up against. And again, you do that, it creates a culture, which then really kind of builds and resonates on itself to create more of that mentality. And really, again, you know, you got a lot of people talking about the Cardinal way, the Cardinals themselves talk about the Cardinal way. Right. So when it's an expectation that everybody in the organization is bought in, bought into, it makes it easier to then have the new people coming in and the people that are there to actually follow through and continue to put the effort into being that prepared. Another thing I was curious about, and it happens across all sports, but a lot of times you hear and see it more in uh, football and basketball, it seems like. Do you touch on anything regarding trash talk or gamesmanship? And I ask because you'll hear things about a player being mentally weak and you can get in his head. I know recently, um, at the end of the season, I believe it was Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, Josh Norman, uh, they were kind of getting into it, and, and they said that Odell Beckham Jr., you can get into his head, and he kind of kind of loses it. Um, do you ever focus on anything like that? Do you talk about players or talk to players about that aspect where, again, at, even at the highest level, that stuff goes on because it's, if they feel they can get an edge, they're going to take it? 
secure, you know, the language I would use there is you got to focus on things you can control. I mean, I certainly, um, I think it's difficult, but it's something we all deal with, whether it be in sport or in life, that our minds have this tendency to focus on things we can't control. Hmm. You know, the, the stock market, the weather, the what the opponent is saying. You know, and again, you want to train your mind so that what, you be, what you're able to do is first recognize when you are focused on things you can't control. And typically the identification system is a feeling of frustration, irritation, anxiety, They're feeling some of those negative emotions that really should be acute. It says, okay, I'm letting my mind focus on things I cannot control. Sure. And then the next question is, okay, then what's one thing I can control? that could make this situation better. And I think if you can train your mind to always get over to that can control side of things, you'd be surprised at how easily you can actually work through some of these difficulties that are out there. Well, and I appreciate you. Uh, you're definitely consistent in, in the message that you're giving us. I think that's something the, the audience can understand as well, that it doesn't necessarily get broken down to all these little things. But uh, as you said, it's this preparation. It's the, the mental training versus reactionary we are getting a little low on time. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, you've worked with a number of different individuals from across different sports. Knowing that you have a consistent method that you go for as far as working with these athletes, I was still curious if you notice any major differences in the types of athletes. So if it's a basketball player, baseball, football, um, Olympians of any kind, are there any differences of what might be more of a challenge for them or something that – uh, I don't know, comes up more often than with another sport? Or is there anything that separates any of the, the major sports? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. And, and to be honest with you, my answer is I've found that there are a whole lot more similarities okay. to controlling performance than differences. And, and that's just not with sports. You know, some people say, well, golf's the most mental or, or baseball is the hardest to actually have success. You know what? All these sports are extremely difficult, especially at the professional level. Mm -hmm. And the similarities of what it takes to control performance are so much more than the differences. And the same is true whether it be sport or business. You know, I've over the last six or eight years really done a lot more work in corporate America and coaching, and I've, I've done some research and really tried to put together now mental training plans for people in the business world. And those have, have been my last two books that have done so well. And again, I think what you'll do, whether you, whether you read my first book, my second book, or my third book, you're going to see a lot more of the commonalities of controlling performance, whether it be golf, football, financial advisor, uh, professor, doctor, lawyer. It, it, you know, again, if you can get yourself in a position where you're mentally and physically prepared Having success will come much easier. Most people, though, don't take the time to figure out, okay, what does preparation actually look like? And, and then once you identify what it looks like, obviously it's, a, it's hard. But if you find those individuals who will take the time to identify what preparation looks like and then on a daily basis commit to being prepared, whether it be golf, football, doctor, lawyer, doesn't matter, you're going to have a great likelihood of achieving success. Jason, I think that's a great way to punctuate this show. appreciate you coming on. Uh, some fascinating stuff and some great information. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, my pleasure, Tim, and all the best to everybody out there. 
That is all the time we have for this episode of Moving Up the Ladder. Our guest once again was Dr. Jason Selk. You can learn more about him at EnhancePerformanceInc.com. That's EnhancePerformanceInc.com. And also be sure to check out his third book. It's titled Organize Tomorrow Today. If you have a topic in mind or any other feedback, go ahead and send an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN. And of course, go ahead and find all of our episodes at ljnradio.com or in the iTunes store as well. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.